Well, good morning and welcome to Wolverine's Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. And my name is Anita J. And I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. And today is Friday, June 9th, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 53. We're starting with the very first paragraph, beginning with logic is great stuff. And we're going to read through two paragraphs, ending with, What was our choice to be? And we're going to comment on both. Um, Today's readers are Tenzin P on the 12 Steps, Lorraine W, 12 Traditions, and our readers of the text this morning are Linda D and Lauren N. The reference numbers for yesterday Thursday, June 8th, are for the 7 a.m. meeting, 10,021, 10,021. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 10,023. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Tenzin P. to read our 12 steps. Good morning. Um, Tenzin P. calling from the New York area. Uh, recovering compulsive reader. Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God 
to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much, I pass. Thanks so much, Tenzin P. And I will now ask Lorraine W. to read our 12 traditions. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes, you can. Okay, this is Lorraine W. from Pennsylvania. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but, me, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I have Thanks very much, Lorraine W. How our meeting works. 
Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we are at page 53. We are reading the first two paragraphs beginning with logic is great stuff and ending with what was our choice to be. And I've asked Linda D. to get us started. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, Anita J. This is Linda D. from North Carolina, grateful, recovered, sleepy, compulsive overeater. (laughs) And um, here's the reading. Logic is great stuff. We liked it. We still like it. It is not by chance we were given the power to reason, to examine the evidence of our senses, and to draw conclusions. That is one of man's magnificent attributes. We agnostically inclined would not feel satisfied with a proposal which does not lend itself to reasonable approach and interpretation. Hence, we are at pains to tell why we think our present faith is reasonable why we think it is more sane and logical, why we think it more sane and logical to believe than not to believe, why we say our former thinking was soft and mushy when we threw up our hands in doubt and said, we don't know. When we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis we could not postpone or evade, we had to fearlessly face the proposition that either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? The um, place I started as a compulsive overeater with step work was in deep agnosticism. I uh, was troubled by the words in the, personally troubled by the words in the second part of this reading. It seemed too absolute for me. I felt pushed and bullied by it, which is an interesting thing now because I have a different perspective on it. Um, When I got to the place where I decided I would have to do it, I would do anything that I, anything I was asked to try and, and recover or just get better or get out of my horrible spot in that particular stage, you know, the bedevilments that I suffered at that time, 
it was a leap of faith. It was a leap of faith that I could ask someone to help me, another person, and that um, that person would take me somewhere that was safe and in a way that I could follow. And uh, it did end up being um, uh, putting a faith in a higher power. Um, I hadn't got to this part of the book yet. When I did, I still, it still bothered me a little bit. The, the, the he word bothered me, but, you know, it's 1939. We know that what we're talking about here is our conception of God, a conception of God that we can, with which we can make an approach. And the word, the word approach appears here. We agnostically inclined would not feel satisfied with a proposal which does not lend itself to a reasonable approach and interpretation. And I realized that's all I'm being asked to do, to make an approach. I thought I had to have it figured out, hook, line, and sinker, and accept it hook, line, and sinker, someone else's idea before I made the approach. But that wasn't true. So, and it never occurred to me to question why I had faith in my own logic. That was a new one, too. So this book keeps opening up new possibilities. And um, I'm very grateful today that I found a power greater than myself that helped restore me to sanity. And I'm going to keep on following. And I'm trying to approach each day. And the more I approach, the better it gets. Haven't figured it out yet, but I don't have to. And that's the best part, besides being recovered. With that, I pass. Well, I'll tell you, thank you so much, Linda D. Very, very much. Who else would like to comment? Nessa Nessa? Just a minute. Nessa, Tina, and Matt. Okay. Jan S. Reva P. Jan S. Reva P. Two more. Leslie W. Leslie W. Melissa C. Okay, this is it. This is great for our beginning batch. I know it's only a beginning. Nessa, Tina, Matt, Janice, Reva P., Leslie W., and Melissa C. All right. Nessa, good morning. Hi, good morning. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, either God is everything or else he is nothing. Um, I, uh, I paraphrase that. I love that, uh, that sentence, but I paraphrase it as either God is everything or else the food is everything because, you know, um, let's face it, I, I came into these rooms with a, with a God already. And so now I have two gods, um, the little G God, which is the food, and the real capital G God, which is God. And every decision that I make throughout the day, um, whether food-related or not, either moves move me closer to God or it moves me closer to the food because... You know, I have two gods, but I can only I can only serve one master, and that tells me that, you know, I cannot uh, proceed on autopilot because if I go on autopilot uh, and I just do what I instinctively um, have always done, then um, you know <laughs> I'm going to back to where I came from. You know, every decision that I make is a decision for recovery 
or a decision for disease. And of course, I know what decision I want to make. And this also tells me that I cannot let up on this uh, spiritual program of action because that what has brought me closer um, to, the, to, the, to, to God and away from the food. And I read a quote, and I don't know, that I really, really loved, I don't know if it was Bill W. who said it or, or, or Dr. Bob who said it, but he said, we don't, we don't run away from the food, we grow away from the food. And that growth comes from, from this beautiful program, from choosing God over the food, from making decisions that support my recovery. And it's not only a decision um, to, you know, weigh and measure my food and only eat, you know, an ounce of this and two ounces of that or, or you know, not eat any, you know, sugar, not eat any fried foods, whatever it is. It's also about, you know, how I conduct myself throughout the day. You know, am I doing my prayer meditation in the morning and at night and throughout the day? Am I doing step tens when I... Um, when my nose is out of joint, how am I treating people? Am I giving of myself? Am I focused on what I need or am I focused on what I need it for? You know, those are all decisions that either support or hinder my recovery. Um, and, you know, of course, today I'm choosing to further my recovery. I'm choosing um, to, uh, to do God's will, to move closer and closer in my relationship uh, with God and, and farther away from, from my relationship with, with the food and my life of disease in, in um, exchange for a, lot, a beautiful life of recovery. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Nessa P. Tina S., good morning. You are up. Thanks, Anita, uh, for your service. Tina S., uh, recovered compulsive eater anorexic in Florida. Uh, lo- love the paragraphs. Logic is great stuff. You know, and I'm glad that that it, that it says that because it is, it, it is, and it's, and it's one of man's magnificent attributes. But you know, there's a but in there for me. You know, what I really was focusing on was when we became alcoholics, crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could no, we could not postpone or evade. You know that, and that's my experience. You know, I, I tried over and over, and I say this all the time because it's the truth. Over and over and over and over again, you know, to get a result that I could not get on my own. And, and until I became uh, defeated, surrendered, you know, um, there was no way that I was going to accept anything else or, or anyone else's idea of something that might be a solution for me. You know, and then it tells me in here, it says that God either is or he isn't. I wanted some middle ground there. I wanted to be able to play a little bit. But, you know, I have to really believe this. He either is or he isn't. Bottom line, two choices. And, and what was my choice to be? You know, and on a daily basis, on a daily basis, you know, whatever choice I made yesterday isn't sufficient for today. You know, I make a new choice every day. And and the further I am along in in a recovered state, in a a life beyond my wildest dreams, I continue to make the same choice that I made yesterday. And I can't just make that choice, and it was already said. There are some things, there's work to be done, one day at a time, every day. And and I'm grateful today that I'm choosing... um, I'm choosing God as being is and not isn't. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks very much, Tina S. And good morning, Madam. You are up. 
Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. from Hustle Over Ear from New Jersey. And um, the, the second paragraph really used to grate at me because I don't like being had an ultimatums. I don't like being forced into something where I'm not ready to be forced in. It's totally not fair. I still don't like the second paragraph because it makes me feel like I'm doing something wrong because I don't believe in the Christian God or the God of the universe. You know, I do have a higher power. I just don't know what it is. I do have one. I, something's been watching over me, and I pray to that higher power every day. I go through, I go through steps 10, 11, and 10, 11 every day. I read them. And um, when I wake up, I pray to it. And uh, I, I feel like really sometimes that, those, those, that second paragraph is very, like, condescending to me sometimes. But sometimes I, I don't feel like that at all. I feel like, you know, I be, it means that I do have to have a higher power in order to move forward in the process. I think that's what it's telling me. Um, I'm a very logical person. I'm very I'm too smart for my own good sometimes, and that gets in the way of my connecting with my higher power sometimes because I always have to have intellect match. Um, the serenity inside me, and it doesn't work. It never works, and I'm just grateful that um, I don't have to let that chatter in my head take over and let it and let it, that um, that take hold again, that agnosticism, and let it let it push me back into the food, because you know the God idea is talked about a lot in this book, and even though it's not religious, I used to think it was, and um, I take it one day at a time. I I peruse what I take, and I um, take everything I read and just file it away for later because. There's always something to be learned from this big book, and I'm grateful it's here. And I'm Thanks so much, Matt. Uh, Jan S., it is your turn. Uh, good morning. Thank you for your service, Anita. This is Jan S., a recovering compulsive overreader from St. Augustine, Florida. I like this chapter so much. I didn't like it when I first got here for sure because I didn't want to know anything about God, not a bit. He was on my blacklist, and that was the end of that. But um, no matter how how much I tried in the program, I I couldn't stay abstinent for any length of time, and that was because I was still doing things uh, with my own thinking, uh, my own willpower, you know, uh, still doing the diet thing, and uh, nothing was working, even in the program. I would do the tools, I'd make my calls, and I would still slip because I wasn't depending on how power greater than myself. And I remember reading somewhere sometime where, where this gentleman, it was in one of the AA, AOA um, daily meditations, and the guy was having trouble with his uh, conception of a higher power, and his sponsor said to him, well, it's okay. You believe, you know, you believed in the god of the garbage pail. You ate out of the garbage. You you believed in the god of food. You believed in the god of insane thinking. But heaven forbid you should consider a god with some sort of deity and power that could possibly remove this addiction from you. And this is so true. I mean, I believed in so many false beliefs, so much crazy thinking, but God forbid I should even consider considering God. It was it was just so crazy in my life, you know. Um, but I did um, I I did have to realize that my thinking, my logic, could not bring me a higher power of of my understanding and even my not understanding um, into a, a clear definition for me, it had to come from my heart. I had to be willing. I can't ever do anything with my thinking because that is very skewed from my addiction. But I, I did want to reference 
um, chapter, a part on chapter five, and it says, remember, we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, and powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care with complete abandon. So I, I can't make any mistakes about the fact that I need to be totally in here. I, I can't allow any little shreds of logical thinking or that someday I'm going to get this. Or I, can't, I can't let any of that. It just isn't going to work for me. So uh, for today, I'm grateful that I don't debate that in my life today and that I uh, have been placed in that position of neutrality and peace, and I'm so grateful for, for my recovery every day. Thank you, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you very much, Janice. And now we will have Reva P. followed by Leslie W. Good morning, Reva. Good morning, it's Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Uh, first thing that struck me is the logic. Um, I love logic. And you know what? This disease is not logical because I applied all my logic and intelligence to fix myself and get my food under, quote, control, and it didn't work. And just as the disease is not logical, recovery is not logical, but it does work. So it reminds me that I don't need to understand how it works. I don't need to ask why questions. I just have to know that, you know, irrespective of logic, this thing works. The thing that I love in the second paragraph is this ultimatum. I actually do like being backed up against the wall because otherwise I'll just dilly-dally. So it's like either God is or he isn't. And, you know, this is not like a one-time decision that I read the chapter and I say, okay, I believe I'm good to go. This is a moment-by-moment, daily kind of thing. And I can make the food my higher power, which is what I was doing before the program, but I can make anything my higher power. You know, people, when I get so resentful and I think people have all this power and I'm this little victim, um, I can make uh, work my higher power, money, anything, And just like it says before in the bedevilments, in abstinence, when other things become bigger than God, I become miserable. And that's my opportunity to make this um, choice. Am I going to stay thinking that I have to impress somebody, people please, um, get somebody's approval, or am I going to search for the main source of my peace um, which is God. And in step two, all I have to acknowledge is that I need another way because the, my way didn't work. And to access that power, then I've got to do the steps. You know, three, make the decision, and then four to nine, which for me is my uh, step 10. Um, so it takes work because I don't just make a decision and have everything fall into place. I have to take the action. The last thing I'll say is I really struggled with this business of letting go of my ideas of how I was supposed to manage the food, my ideas of how I was supposed to manage my life. And what really helped me is listening to this tape that talked about it is a leap of faith to take the necessary actions. And that's why I think they say fearlessly. So I was told um, taking this kind of step is like I'm at the edge of a cliff 
and I feel like there's just the bottomless pit. But for me, that leap of faith is when I jump off the cliff, either God gives me wings to fly or provides an amazing safety net below. So I am fine. Um, And with that, I pass. Thank you. Perfect. Three minutes. Perfect. (laughs) Leslie, um, Leslie W. Or was that Leslie? No, you nope. here you come. <laughs> <laughs> this is Leslie. This is Leslie W. Thank you so much. Um, Leslie W. Recovered compulsive overeater in Tennessee, and I love this short little paragraph because it just gets to the heart of it. God is or he isn't. Everything or nothing. What's it gonna be? What's it gonna be, Leslie? Time to pony up. Time to stop squirming. You know, when I first came into the, the rooms of OA, I felt like a frog in a science class being dissected every single meeting I went to because I'd never, ever, ever, ever been in a place where there was such honesty before. And it made me uncomfortable because I was so good at pretending. I was so good at putting on that face for the world and lying. I was a liar. I would sing in the choir every Sunday, and 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 everybody would would uh, think that I was so great. Oh, and then then what would happen was I'd come home and I'd dive into a box of cookies, or I'd pick up I'd pick up some cupcakes at the the grocery store after I leave because I had to have my fix, you know. Um, or I'd throw a baby shower for a friend, thinking that I was so great. Look at me. Look at this service. Look at look at look at what I'm doing. I'm such a good person. I'm such a good Christian. I'm such a good friend. Yet, when everybody left, what did I do? I dove into the cake and I stuffed myself and I binged. That was the last binge that I had. And you know, every single day that I'm in this program. Every single day that I'm on the line, I'm faced with that. All or like it, it's it's everything. God either is or He isn't, Leslie. You can't pretend anymore. You know the truth. You can't that 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 doesn't work anymore. You know, and so now that I know the truth, I can't ever go back. I can't. I can't go back. But thank God. Thank God, because the life that I lead now is actually a real life. I don't pretend to be somebody I'm not. Um, and when I walk, when I walk by someone, and I feel, I feel that that I have to to put on an air or or, or pretend to make them like me. You know, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not who you are. That's not who you are. God is everything now. God is everything. And I have to behave that way. I have to behave that like God is everything and not just say it. Because that makes me a liar. That makes me a hypocrite. And that's what I was before. I was good at talking. I was good at pretending, you know. And 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 I I'm not a pretender anymore. Thank thank you God for this program and for all you people on this line every day. I pass. Thanks so much, Leslie W. And rounding this batch up, Melissa C. Good morning, Melissa. 
Hi, good morning, Anita. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I, I think about, like, logic being great stuff. And, um, but um, I, I only utilize logic um, some of the time. Because the way that I ate and the, the, um, the quick fixes that I, I tried, I knew there was nothing logical about it. Like, how could you think that you're going to eat cabbage soup and your life is going to become perfect? Or, um, you know, or that the food is really going to make me better. You know, like, how, it it, it defied logic that I kept using the same failing strategy over and over and over again. And yet, oh, this God thing, there's nothing logical about that. You know, like, I was so close to it. And what the truth is is that we are at pain to explain why this is logical because we know that um we know that it is and we know that we need to have um we need to have that. We need to have a logical approach. And so um you know the logic is well open up your eyes and take a look. There's evidence. People who have faith, you know, who Anybody in this program that I've heard um, that has what I want never fails to mention a relationship with a higher power. I've yet to see anybody in this program of recovery who has a strong program and, and, and is living the way that I, I want to live and existing with peace, um, and they don't talk about higher power. You know, that just doesn't happen. And so that's where the logic came in for me. I, I had to look at the evidence. You know, and the other thing that jumped out at me is the self-imposed crisis. You know, um, self-imposed. I create the crisis. And I didn't just do it, you know, then when I was in the food. But I have the ability to create crisis today. You know, that I, of myself, my knee-jerk reaction, if I don't invite God into the dialogue, I create crisis. So if someone does something at work or a neighbor says something or my husband says something, and if I rely on myself as God, um, I can get myself into a mess. And, you know, and so it, I, I think what's helpful is if you're struggling with the God, you know, the idea of God, um, you know, this program either is everything or it's not. You know, it's either going to work or it's not. And um, for me, I had nothing to lose. The food didn't work anymore. And so I threw myself in with abandon, and this works. It really does. When all else fails, this this plan works. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Melissa C. And uh, just a reminder, we're on page 53, the very first two paragraphs, starting with logic is great stuff. So who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? Charles H. Sarah G. Laura A. Just a minute. Sarah and Laura. And who else? Kim Leigh Ann. And Leigh Ann. That's all right. Let's let's stop here. I got you, Larry. I've got Leah and Larry, Kim um, and uh, I have the Charles, Sarah, and Laura, and then and Rocky K. Let's see if we can get you all in. All right, Charles. Good morning to you. Charles. 
Charles, what happened? Hi, here? I'm here. No, I'll try to do okay. a little phone etiquette. I try to chill for a second. I, I know you're good, Lynn. Hey, you're I'm good, trying, man. Try, try, not trying to step step on anybody's toes. Uh, okay. I will read about that in the next chapter. Um, Charles H. <laughs> a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, first of all, I want to thank y'all for your prayers. That thing did work. Um, you know, when I invite God into everything, it just happens to work out. Uh, you know, when when I get out of myself and ask for um, prayers, you know, that's real. Like, like I, I need prayers every single day because my will comes back at 12.01 a.m. I just can't do this thing by myself. I need a higher power that I don't understand. You know, I, I don't understand God. I stand under God today. Um, and, and, and I don't take back any talk. I, you know, um, ever since Ebenezer told Bill about, you know, this religious idea and that he got religion, um, the world went crazy. And guess what? The world's still going crazy. Um, it's the block of all blocks. You know, once I got past that block and surrendered, you know, I was with a friend yesterday on the way to the group, and she, and she was like, the opposite, the opposite of, um, the opposite of, I forgot, it's it, surrender. The opposite of surrender, the opposite of surrender is, is not surrendering. <laughs> like, like, just like, no matter what, I, I don't need you. I can do this myself. And I need God. I need prayers. I need y'all. Because guess what? Many more resentments. Uh, on the way, and I just spend time every single day getting unblocked and saying, "God, I don't know how you're gonna get me through this thing, but I, but but I, I'm I'm gonna do it in action. I'm gonna take the action regardless." And guess what? The person didn't change at inner group, but I changed, and I prayed for that person to change. And and there's a confirmation that, and that's the same thing with abstinence. You know, um. Yeah, I could do it for a little while, but if I don't get any help, I will go back. Uh like a like a dog to the vomit. I will return everything. That's my that's my reset. That's that's what I do. But if I invite God into my life, a God that I don't understand, I, I can't see, I don't know, um, things just happen to work out. And and, and I'm that's my story and I'm sticking by it. And I, I approve of this message. Thanks. Thanks very much, Charles H. Uh, Sarah, was it Sarah G? Yes, that's correct. This is Sarah G, uh, compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. And um, uh, I, the thing that I really uh, res- well, there's both. The logic piece. I studied math in college, uh, all about logic, uh, everything has um, a purpose and is mapped out really uh, quite nicely in math. And uh, so my logical mind figured that um, I could certainly do something about this crazy eating that I was doing. And um, I, I tried. I mean, I'm 73 years old. I tried for 40 years many years, 30, 35 years, I can't remember how many, uh, to get myself um, to uh, recover from this disease on my own, and it just didn't happen. And today I know that it, it, you know, without a higher power, it's not going to happen for me. 
the other thing that I really resonated with was this um, part, part in the second paragraph where it says, either God is everything or else he is nothing. God either is or he isn't. And that resonated with me and brought me back to page 25 where Bill is saying, uh, we were in a position where life was becoming impossible. And if we passed into the region from which there is no return through human aid, we had but two alternatives. One was to go to the bitter end, blotting out the consciousness of our intolerable situation as best we could, and the other to accept spiritual help. He goes on to say these are both hard options. And I, I can tell you for a long time they were certainly difficult for me. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to go on to a bitter end, but I didn't want to accept help either. And um, today, the thing that, that I realize is that help doesn't mean that I'm weak. Help doesn't, asking for mm-hmm. help doesn't mean that, that I have no um, capacity to, to uh, help us to do things on my own. But it does mean that I can reach out, I can ask others uh, what they're doing if I have uh, a time period when I'm um, really in uh, a bad situation. Um, I can do those things that I need to do with the help of others, uh, and that's why a sponsor is so important, and others in program. And I so appreciate um, the you, uh, moderator, and the people I've heard on the line. Such good stuff. And uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Well, thank you very much, Sarah G. Uh, uh, Laura? I don't know which Laura. It's followed by Kim G. This is this is Laura H. Laura, yes. Good morning, Laura H. It's your turn. Hi, my name is Laura H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Chicago. Wow, ah. this 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 is it. This is this is an amazing two paragraphs. You know that first couple words. Logic is great stuff. We liked it. I work in education. I'm a school teacher. And I rely on it every day. I, I show my students. We talk about it. Two plus two is four. You know, we, we, our brain, you know, that's what we use to grow intellectually. I can remember my son went away to college, and I raised my children, and they were in a private, uh, religious private school and uh, paid a lot of money for them to go there. And he got to college, and he called me up, and he said, you know, my roommate and I were talking. There's no God. And I remember my heart kind of stopped, and I thought, he doesn't believe in God? And I just listened to what he said, but he was intellectualizing. He was giving the reasons why he thought, you know, and it was, it was part of his growth. You know, he's now grown up and has three beautiful children, and I believe he's very touched, and he knows there is a higher power. Anyway, uh, the second paragraph, when we became alcoholics, crushed by self-imposed crisis, self imposed. So when my body got to be close to 350 pounds, when I walked in these rooms three years ago, I was in that mode. I had no place else to go. And I actually felt when they told me, you know, when my sponsor, we walked through it and she described, you know, it's all about these steps. And I looked at it and I thought, I re- you talk about contempt prior to investigation. I thought, you people are crazy. I have a faith. 
But what I learned is I didn't really know much. And and my pride and my ego easing got out. It was everywhere. And uh, it wasn't until a total surrender happened that this miracle, and it is a miracle, of recovery happened for me. I don't know how it works. I just know I have to follow the directions. I have to do them in order. I have to be filled with hope and action, action. Um, and for a person like me who thought I believed, well, why, how, if a believer, you know, obviously I didn't believe. There was something I didn't believe. I didn't believe my higher power could, could do that. So getting to that, he is, God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? So, you know, that was it. What was our choice? So I asked myself that when I came into the room, this is what my sponsor told me. I had to do the work and it's a miracle. I am a different person. I am filled with hope. I am filled with love, light. I have, I hold my head up high. I am on these new adventures, meeting people. I used to just stay at home all the time. Um, uh-huh. So I'm very grateful to be here. Grateful to all of you. With that, I pass. Hey, thanks so much, Laura H. Uh, Kim G. followed by Leah. Good morning, Kim G. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. When we became alcoholics crushed by a self-imposed crisis, we could not postpone or evade. Man, the big book is really putting the screws to us at this point. You know, in these prior chapters, I've been taught, I've been confronted with my real illness, you know, that I have this allergy of the body that's never, ever going to change. So I never, ever can have these allergic foods. And even worse, I have this mind that's always, always going to convince me to have that first bite. And this is why it's now self-imposed. I get it. I've been understood. I, I confronted this. So at this point, I'm down to two alternatives. Because at this point, the food is down. There's an urgency. I am sober. I am in this intolerable situation called abstinence. And I, I, I cannot postpone or evade anymore. I'm going to have to do one thing or the other. I'm either going to blot out the consciousness, which means I'm going to pick up the food again, or I'm going to seek spiritual help, which means I'm going to do the steps. So when it says God is everything or God is nothing, At this point for me, what I thought was this 12-step way of life, these big book instructions are everything or it's nothing. I have to be all in. And I have to tell you, even as a um, a recovered woman, I have to ask myself that. You know, in the morning when I do my step 11, am I all in for today or am I going to default back to self-sufficiency? This is my blueprint for life. So is this 12-step program everything or is it nothing? What is my choice to be? What is my choice to be as I'm going through the steps for the first time? What is my choice to be when I become recovered and maybe I stop this, you know, I start to rest on my laurels and I get a little restless, irritable, discontent? Or what is my choice to be with myself at six and a half years sober or maybe someone who's 20, 30 years sober? Because all step two is simply the conclusion that I need this power. I need this way of life. And when I come to that conclusion, when I realize I'm in a self-imposed crisis, when I can no longer postpone or evade, when I'm confronted with this choice, I'm going to be propelled in step three to make a decision. But until I've come to that conclusion that I'm powerless, that I admit who and what I am, 
until I understand that my powerlessness is in my sobriety and that I need this power if I'm not going to pick up again, that step three decision is never going to be made. I am so grateful for this paragraph, and I'm so grateful that today, as a woman that has been sober and recovered, that I can say today that this 12-step way of life, I am all in. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Kim G. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I just love the material today. I just love it because uh, you know it is as true today as it was uh, January nineteenth, nineteen eighty seven. God either is or he isn't. What was our choice to be? You know, during that time period, I had been eating with a sense of urgency and desperation I had never known before. This disease just grabbed me by the roots of the hair and dragged me around. And, you know, the big book turns up the heat at this point. My sponsor did the same at the time. You know, it's black and white. There is no fallback position, Leah. (laughs) You are in a facility with a locked door, and you have a plastic wristband around your left wrist, okay? (laughs) You've tried every remedy. You've tried every uh, method. You know, are you done? Because there's no wiggle room here. There's absolutely no wiggle room. And the solution had, you know, become obvious that my solution was not abstinence. You know, because I had been abstinent thousands of times. I couldn't stay abstinent. The solution was going to be to have a relationship with a spirit which was going to remove this problem and lift it right out of me. And, you know, I had been raised by cynical (laughs) skeptics and intellectuals, as lovely as they are. God bless them. But, um, you know, I wanted to understand this. I wanted it to make sense. I wanted to have a a specific understanding and comprehension of this higher power. But the bottom line was I was going to die in the investigation. (laughs) Either, either, you know, some some medical consequence was going to overwhelm me um, or I was going to slit my wrist. You know, I mean, I'm cornered. I just absolutely was cornered. I didn't have to feel it. I didn't have to have uh, concrete evidence. I didn't have to have certainty because you know what was going on? Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. I was going to pick up. I was going to pick up. So, you know, I just threw myself into this work because feelings are a trap in the spiritual life. God either is or isn't in my life, whether it's January 1987 or today. Whether I feel it or I not is totally irrelevant. Totally irrelevant. What relevant? What's relevant for me is what I do. What I do because I have to live my life as if the decision is based on truth. And living my life at this point in January '87 meant pressing into these steps and doing the work as if my life depended on it because it did. Because it did. Because the book gives me an ultimatum. And my disease was giving me an ultimatum. You know, there was, there was just no, there was nowhere to go. I was, I was trapped. You know, so when I behave as if it's true, that's living in the spiritual life. Because every day I have to ask myself, how free do I want to be? That's my question. Every time I wake up, every time I have a decision to make, whatever conversation, that's it. How free do I want to be? And I pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Leah M. Larry Kay. It's your turn. 
Uh, hi, Anita. Good morning. Good morning. Larry Kay, Recover Compulsive Reader from Chicago. Um, boy, we've heard a lot about uh, God either is or he isn't. And, um, you know, what was our choice to be? And, you know, Bill, when, <clears throat> when they wrote this, um, he wasn't the first to come up with that idea. See, he dipped into a, a, a person, whether he was cognizant of it or not. Pascal was a, a man with a lot on his mind. He was a lived back in the 1600s, and he was a writer. He was a mathematician, a scientist, but he was also a philosopher. He was a thinker. So he, uh, he, he, he did some writing, and, and, and one of the things he came up with was this, what they later referred to as Pascal's Wager, and Bill incorporated that, Pascal's Wager. And it basically says God either exists or God does not. And there's no way we can reason out which one it is. But we're forced to kind of wager. When we come to these rooms, we're forced to wager on the outcome anyway. So we have to choose either to believe in a higher power of our own understanding or not. And if God exists, then believing in this higher power offers us as compulsive readers recovery. We can be brought to this recovered state. Whereas disbelief in a higher power, for me a very prideful exercise, leads to continued thrashing. I, I know what door number two looks like through disbelief. <laughs> I, I've lived it. I know what sinking in the quicksand is. I can't extract myself from the quicksand. I can assure you that. I have to be pulled out of the quicksand. And the more I thrash about, guess what? The faster I'm going down. So there's a reward in belief, whereas disbelief in a higher power leads to infinite suffering for me, for a guy like me anyway. And if this higher power does not exist, I've lost nothing. I've lost nothing by accepting that there may be a higher power. There was nothing to gain by disbelief. I don't come out as the winner by disbelief. Therefore, for a guy like me, believing in God is the only rational choice. And surrender is not weakness. On the contrary, it's the way of strength. In fact, we know only through surrender can I access the spiritual power. I can't do it in any other way. I tried. So, and surrender is not a state of inaction. It's not about inaction. Surrender is merely detaching from the outcome. But guess what? I still carry my axe every morning, and I chop at the tree each day. I just don't care because I have nothing to do whether that tree falls. I just do the work. But I carry my axe. I don't come to these meetings and uh, wait for someone to put an ax in my hand. You'll be waiting a long time. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, um, Rocky, I only had, can give you a minute. Would you like to wait till the second hour? Hey, Anita, it's Rocky. I'll wait for the second hour. Okay, all right. Well, then I'll, I'm going to take that last little second. Well, now it's not even a minute. But it's, you know, I realized uh, on my journey that I had put uh, my expectation of a God was so unrealistic. No wonder he kept disappointing me. I mean, everything had to get right-sized, right-sized, and in, uh, including God, what he can do. And he could do infinitely more, but he wasn't Santa Claus. And so he was no Santa Claus, but he could do more for me than 
anybody ever else could if I just let him. And uh, with that, I'm going to close this wonderful first hour. Um, and I want to thank everybody who shared today and join us for the second unrecorded following immediately after closing. And to tell you today's share ID, in case you came in and didn't hear it all, you should hear it from the very beginning, is 10,025. 10025. Now we're going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164. And Lauren, no, not Lauren, yes, Lauren. I'm in. Thank you very much, Anita. Can you hear me? <laughs> Perfectly. Okay. Go ahead. Thank you all for a wonderful meeting. Uh, thank you, Anita, for leading it, and uh, thank you for letting me do service. Our, our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God is consistently, God will consistently disclose more to you and and to us, ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your house is in order. But obviously, <coughs> sorry, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you know, as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We, will, we shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit. And you will surely meet some of us as you struggle, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Till then, 